Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds, of course, is a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com. Always use your head. And we are coming to you on Halloween morning. Spooky season coming to an end, and I have the usual collection of basement-dwelling ghouls here to talk to you on the bandwagon. We'll start with the shiniest forehead on the planet, Mr. David Ungar, the lawyer himself. How are you today, my sleep-deprived friend? Yeah, we hung out with the ghouls and the goblins and the ghosts at Magic Mountain last night, or kayfabe two nights ago uh and there you go so yeah four hours of sleep tonight i'm ready let's let's go i didn't say it <laughs> Excellent. Ray. We didn't all... say it ray that's right we're not gonna say it we should also welcome in the largest widow's peak this side of wisconsin mr saturday night himself pc tunny how are you doing today sir i way to turn Good. your head at that angle so that we get the full angle of the yeah it's bad what are you going to do? So that's what I get for wearing a hat for 35 years. Um, I'm doing well. Got to go golfing yesterday, Dave. It was nice enough here, Patrick. I'm going Ray. once we're done. Tony, well, no, it is, so you know, hey, it is a beautiful fall day here in New England. As I well. mean, um, and, and you usually get the weather we have a couple days later, Patrick. So I can tell you that the next six mean, days here, five, six days looks like the mid 60s. So. Excellent. Well, it's, you know, the climate change is real. We still have one more member of the bandwagon to welcome, and that is the best neck beard I've ever seen out of a basement dweller. Please welcome in the Reverend Ray Cashington, the third Esquire, to the studio. Hello, sir. Halloween season. It's spooky. 
Oh, hey. Uh, I, uh, what happened, guys? Guys, what happened? What happened? Is it the neckbeard? It's the neckbeard. Sorry. What's up, Too late. You sh- How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's good to see you guys. Uh, I don't have a fun anecdote. I've been stuck in the house. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I'm, hey, guys, I'm in a great mood. I, I, I gotta look. I'm just gonna slide the block eye over one more time for my rare good season that we are having at the University of Illinois. Go Illini! We have two more weeks until we get stumped by the Michigan Wolverines at the Big House. Hopefully, we can keep the good mojo going until we get stomped by the Michigan Wolverines at the Big House. But gotta, I gotta talk sports and be happy about my team. Actually going to have their name called off at like number 15 in the college football playoff rankings when they drop on Tuesday. I can feel it. I can feel it. Never been on that program before. It's going to be the only time we're on that program, but I'm happy that it's going to happen. All right. We have quite the show in front of us today, guys, as DC dropped a bombshell. Everybody knows they brought out the big gun, so to speak, pun intended. To draw uh, to get things going, and we are of course going to talk all about that news reveal. Though Marvel was not to be outdone, they did drop some significant trailers this week. We've got good news and bad news for David Ungar, and a trip to the trailer. All of it's there, but of course we're going to start with Ray Cash's favorite Netflix streaming series, Lock and Key, season three, episode four. The mute button is on for Mr. Ray Cash. He's gotten up. He's leaving. He's up. He's walking around. Let's just um he's doing knee lifts. He's he's doing his best Russell Wilson. It's all it's all happening. So I'm gonna get this out of the way because I do want to say, in terms of the story itself and what has needed to happen, lock and key has gotten itself to where it needs to be, with Dodge being back currently in cahoots with the uh, the other demons that are running around, namely the demon running around in the body of Frederick Gideon. Uh, when we last left uh, the Locke family, Bodhi had been possessed by Dodge. And that bit of story, and the episode, I'm going to spoil it right now, the episode ends with Nina Locke discovering Dodge's body underneath Bodhi's bed. And... and Finally being like, oh, there's something wrong. Like, Bodie, something's wrong. There's been this whole... I had a real frustrating episode watch, gentlemen, because I once again felt like the writing of the characters, namely of the family surrounding Bodie, Kinsey and Nina in particular, uh, as well as... The, per- the characterization of Dodge inside Bodie went so against type in an effort to move the plot to where it needed to be that it was infuriating. <laughs> and let me explain why. Bodie, who for three episodes has been, or for three seasons, has always been like this sweet kid, never really angry or violent. Now, they they try to plant the seeds a little bit with him being upset or uncomfortable with Josh moving in um, to dating Nina and doing this whole, like, he's trying to replace my dad thing. My only problem with that was, is even that was more like, I'm sad and I miss my dad. Not so much, I hate this dude. 
and, and he's a piece of crap. And so Bodie gets taken over by Dodge, who has always been this smart, manipulative. Uh, she's possessed every, other people and, and has been keen to how folks respond to the other characters. She is very familiar with the Locke family. She's very familiar with Bodie. Why would we make Bodie a complete fucking asshole to everyone? And to the extent where it's so out of character for him that at the very least, Kinsey should have been like, you're not Bodie. Instead, we have to wait till Rufus figures it out, which sure makes a lot of sense that Rufus figures it out based on the clues. But Kinsey should have figured it out. Nina, at the very least, has a, a, a thinly veiled excuse as to why Bodie could be bad. But then finally, like I said before, Dodge has been so smart when she's possessed other people and, and in being manipulative. And in this one, she is out and out just blindly searching for keys, acting like a dick to everyone, and doesn't try to pretend to be Bodie until the last 10 minutes of the episode. What's up with that, Dave? Yeah, Dave. Uh, I agree with you and disagree with you at this on certain points. I I, I liked what I complained to Tony about when we were reviewing it the first couple episodes is is I didn't feel like they were giving uh the actor portraying Bodie and I don't remember his name so drink, but Jackson Robert Scott. Thank you. Um, I I felt like they were stifling his acting a little bit by kind of like keeping him in the same like you're saying, Pat Bodie just always nice always you know kind of the same sort of you know way about him even though he was always the smartest one and i didn't like the fact that they were making him kind of stupid especially i wasn't on the show last week but yeah the whole i'm gonna go back in time and do all this crap that even if you've never seen back to the future you probably would understand that this is probably gonna have a bad ramification and he did it anyway so i i didn't mind the fact that they that they put him in this role because I, I like dark Bodie. I thought that was kind of cool watching him be this darker, more mischievous, more malevolent character. I do agree with you that everything in this episode and everything in this season feels rushed and it doesn't feel like they've developed the plot well enough. And I thought you've got, you know, how many episodes did we go last year with Gabe before he was figured out as to what was going on in here? Right. We get one episode and it all comes to a head because, yeah, like you're saying, Bodie Dodge decides to do all this stuff in contravention to everything that Dodge did the previous season, the calculating, the manipulating, the just setting everything up. Why? Because, you know, she met whoever. I mean, there's a obviously a recognition between the demons when they meet each other out there. They they recognize who each other is and and you get to feel a pecking order and. Whoever dodges realizes, okay, there's a chance to really take over this world. I'm in. But yeah, I, I liked I liked the fact that they gave this actor the room to grow and to show a little different aspect of him. I don't like the way this is all rushed. I would like to say that Kinsey's failure to recognize what's going on with Bodhi is more related to her concern over Tyler and what's been going on with him. And she's a little distracted by that. And maybe they're not as dialed in as they should be. And then, you know, you get the finally Tyler deciding, hey, um, you know, and, and Tyler's story is a part of this season that I really like. I do like the story with Tyler because I think that's being done well. And and that actor, and I don't know his name either, <laughs> he's really doing a, a great job as far as portraying 
this emotional conflict that he's got. But yeah, so I, I tend to agree with you that a lot of this episode didn't make sense. But um, I, I like this one better than the first three. That's for sure. Tony, I, I, I will. Um, I will agree with you. Last week, Tony and I talked about how great um, Darby Stanchfield did as Nita Locke in the alcoholism thing. I do agree this week that the star of, of the show is Connor Jessup as Tyler Locke and, and that that little plot line getting wrapped up and, and uh, with an assist from uh, Carly who, you know, shows up from Montana. Tony, am I being too, am I being too angry at this show? At this episode? No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Agreed. I'm not um, upset at how quick they're trying to wrap this up either. Um, I, like I said, I well, think I know, mentioned yeah, you, earlier, I'm like, like, just get it going, get it going to where you want to go. We know it's going to end up being the locks versus the henchman or the Gideon guy and stuff. And, it's the battle of the keys. And I would imagine at some point at the end, something needs to be sacrificed where no one has recollection of magic or something like that. I bet you that's where we're going, but who knows? It's at least it started where we got to figure out how we're going to get Dodge out of Bodie. Now moving forward, considering the entire lock family should be on this problem shortly. Um, right. the Discovery. So definitely looking forward to things picking up here, hopefully in the final four episodes. Right, and I think I mentioned this before. This is kind of like the high water mark in terms of length of episodes. They get shorter, like significantly, as we come down to the end. Which I, you mentioned feeling rushed. How how rushed is the rest of this going to be? Yeah, it's like I'm, I don't know. Like it's I'm I'm a little concerned. If they ramp up the action, you know that's okay. But I don't foresee this being that type of series it's never been a series about action it's always been more cerebral so i yeah when you got 36 minute episodes that's um <laughs> that's a little concerning sure right all right well i'm gonna hold my breath now that we've kind of got everybody's cards out in terms of like what's moving forward oh i guess we should talk like tyler did take his memories back like he finally he, he agreed to that. So Tyler will now be back in play as a full on character. I wonder how that will impact his relationship with Carly. I, th I think it'll be a good thing. I think that it was, again, it was kind of nice to see the like push away, the pull her back, uh, the, the spotty memories thing. Uh, Tony, and he's uh, not digging it. Look at that, Pat. You're not, you're not a Carly Stan. What's, I mean, I would kick her out of bed for eating crackers, but this, this whole show's really sucked. Uh, I wouldn't go far so far to say it sucked. It, it has not lived uh, up the first two seasons, but I, I'm like, well, I'm still quiet, it, quiet down, Paul Abdul. <laughs> <laughs> you think it sucks, Pat? You you think this season sucks, or you just kind of? For those of you who don't recall, once upon a time on American Idol, Paul Abdul was the, shall we say, kinder of the judges when it came to the auditions, and Dave currently forgiving a terrible performance is the Paula Abdul of the show. Oh, I'll take I don't it. know which one I'll of us. It. Which one of us is Simon, though? I mean, is, is, That's am, you am sure. I more the Simon? Oh yeah. Am I? Yeah. So he's uh, what's that other guy's name? I can't remember. The, the guy would be like, "Dog, I, I love you, dog," but I'm just not feeling it, dog. That's Tony. That guy. That's um, Tony or Ray, maybe. No. But I can't remember his name. I, I can't remember. But, well, anyway, I don't think you can. You can find an assimilation for me. 
Can I find a facsimile for you? Does that work? A facsimile or a fax? Oh, wait, I'm getting a fax. It's blank. Never mind. We won't do Jim. Right. Go ahead, Patrick. Sorry. That's fair. We um, What we are going to do is we're going to take our first commercial break in record time, 15 minutes into the program, because that's how weak lock and key has been this season. It's it's funny how not excited like, like we've gotten over shows. We're talking about like Ray probably thought he had more time since he's on the phone right now. Uh, while we're recording this podcast, he's going to be sorely disappointed when we come back for commercial break. So when we come back, we are going to take a trip to the trailer park. Going to get into the holiday spirit a little bit this week, fellas. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Okay, welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. Patrick O'Dowd, David Ungar, PC Tunney, and Ray Cash here with you on the bandwagon. After our first commercial break, everybody knows where we're heading. We just need to hear some music. And so, Dave, if you could, please play that beautiful banjo. Welcome back. Ray is back with us as well as we walk into the trailer park. Welcome into the trailer park, Ray Cash. Four trailers this week. Upcoming Netflix series is going to be first up, animated Netflix series. And I'm going to be completely honest. I put this up for two reasons. And it's a trailer for the uh, Sonic Prime series, Sonic the Hedgehog series that's coming out. One, I put this up because as a dad whose child loves him some Sonic the Hedgehog, Figured the kids earned to have his show talked about a little bit on Bandwagon Nerds. And two, I put it on because does everything just look at what Marvel does and be like, yes, let's do that. As we are now getting a multiversal Sonic the Hedgehog series by looks of this trailer. As Sonic in, you know, finds himself in an alternate universe where all of his friends are different. Egghead has taken over the world. And it looks like a fun show. The little O'Dowd is very, very excited about it. Uh, I'm about to look up the cast because I, I um, can't remember who's doing the voice work for Sonic Prime. But Tony, you got a hand up already. What 
what are your thoughts here? I'm sure I had two hands up, but um, <clears throat> hands up. You were signaling a touchdown. My mistake. It's okay. I had so I was ready to go anyway. You know, it's funny because we had uh, a little conversation in the DM recently about how I was slightly unaware of how the younger generation was still into Super Mario Brothers. Right. But we're well aware of that, right? So they're also into a lot of the things that are long-lasting here that have worked out in video games that have crossed over into different types of pop culture and just stayed, you know, familiar and towards the top of the list for a lot of ages, the ones that experienced it as kids and their kids now as well. So along the lines of the new Super Mario Brothers movie, Sonic continues off of the the success of their movies that they had enough so where they're interested enough into the rest of the Sonic universe. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some more video games out of this in some different ways as well. Well, it's funny you should mention that as there is a new Sonic video game hitting in a couple of like a month or so. I, I do believe. Well, believe me, the little doubt is well up on what's going on with Sonic the Hedgehog. Hey, your thoughts. Well, you're back in the program. Yes. I, I, I Sonic to Frontiers, on, by the way. I want to touch on that. Um, your point about the multiverse thing, because, you know, we live in a post-MCU world. But I think a lot of people try to do what the MCU did. It's just they, the only ones, they're the only ones that have done it correctly concurrently. And I think so that's why we look at things like, oh, that's MCU. Well, no, Star Wars did it first. James Bond did it. A bunch of people tried to do it. They just didn't do it in a way that was concurrent and in some cases correct. Um, Plus, forgive me, I played the games, but I'm not the most knowledgeable about the Sonic lore. But isn't a lot of the, the, the thing about Sonic that he had to go to different worlds to get different things? Because if that's the case, then this is right on right in the alley, right? Well, but they were all within like the same universe. It was like going to a different gotcha. planet, like Star gotcha. Wars hopping. Like so, it was like Green Zone, and then like some other zone. It's all Star Wars. Keep your mic up, sir. Uh, so yeah, I would I would say the Star Wars influence is there. But yeah, this seems to be like either an alternate reality or a different mm-hmm. universe. It's very multiversal. Dave, I can see you're thoroughly invested in a Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Prime animated series just just by the look on your face. Um, the, the eyes have lit up. I like the games, and and I appreciate that. You know, I, I'm. I, it's cool that uh, that your son, the little O'Dowd, is into this. You know, this gets a big K for me. That's that's all I can say about it. I. It, it's like, all right, I'm not. I it, with everything that's that big I got to watch. I'm this one. I can't. I can't forge out the time for it. But no, for the kids, for the younger audience, yeah, it's fantastic. It looks really fun. It is, you know, I, I I like the point you made that everybody's trying to do a multiverse. Um, if Star Wars does a multiverse, that'd be very interesting. But uh, you know, other than that, uh, I I for the kids, this looks like a really fun time. It's just probably not something I would be on, you know, taking a lot of time out for. So there you have it, old man Ungar, poo pooing Sonic the Hedgehog, hates everything about it. Even though Sonic's from typical, my generation, but that's okay. Typical David Ungar, everybody. Typical Dave. Ugh, whatever. All right. Let's go to something else that's being rebooted from our childhoods. Disney Plus this week, we're going to jump into the holiday spirit, released its first true trailer for the Disney Plus series based on, uh, not based, it's the continuation of the Santa Claus franchise called the Santa Clauses. 
in which Tim Allen is reprising his role as Chris Krangle. I can't remember the woman who plays Mrs. Claus, but she's back as well. Like they got the gang back together for this, uh, to, to do this uh, show. And uh, here's the thing. I kind of want to watch it. I, I have a soft spot for the Santa Claus trilogy uh, as, as it is part of my, uh, my holiday viewing rotation. For those of you who don't know, I watch a lot of holiday shit when it comes to the holiday season. So this is going to be a part of it when it debuts. It is going to have a special two-episode premiere uh, in mid-November before running through into December, where Santa Claus, Tim Allen's character, he retires. And so other than Tim Allen being, you know, super conservative and crazy, and I, I don't really care for him as a person, I like his Santa Claus movies. He's already made his money, so I might as well watch it on Disney+. Plus. Because the, the plot is interesting. He retires because Christmas spirit is going away and, and he's losing his magic. He passes the reins on to someone new. That person turns out to be a mistake. And so, of course, Tim Allen, as, as, as himself, Scott Calvin, is going to try and go back and, I'm assuming, try and find a better successor to be Santa Claus. Thoughts on this series and just thoughts on the Santa Claus movies. Cause I, you know, the third one gets a bad rap. It's a, it's a take on it. It's a wonderful life. It's not as bad as people really say it is, but, uh, you know, one and two, I think are a little more enchanting Ray, you nodded. So I'll go to you first, your thoughts on this series and the Santa Claus movies. Cause it's hard to believe we're talking Christmas films on Halloween. If you remember maybe close to a year ago, we did a five, by, five by five. Um, of the best the first five by five was was that's right the pilot the original and and yeah santa claus was on both of our lists for for worse so you know it it has redeeming qualities but that leads me into my point the only genre of movies that i can think off the top of my head if you give me some time i may think of others that don't have to be good to be enjoyable are christmas movies they don't really have to be good why that Holiday specials in general. I would say the holiday special genre, yeah. they they can be bad, and, the, and people the, will enjoy them. The Hubie nostalgia. Halloween, by yeah. the way, with Adam Sandler. That movie's trash, but I loved it. Exactly. That was hilarious. The, the, the nostalgia of the time, the setting, the feeling of whatever feeling you're feeling at that time of holiday, it like overcomes so much of the horrible stuff you see on the movie. Now, in this particular situation, the trailer looks good. Like, I'm interested. Right. The only thing is, I don't know if I'm here for a series. The only well, thing. if it's a if it's a single run miniseries, yeah. But this type of thing, I like. I would have wanted to see. Sit me down for an hour, thirty minutes, and let me get it, and I'm good. I don't know. I want to check back every week to see what happens with Tim Allen and Santa Claus in episode four. You know, I don't know about that, but I'm here for it. Funny. I I'm the complete opposite. I went into looking at this trailer thinking it was another Santa Claus movie, and I was like, oh fuck. And then I seen it was a series, and I was like, oh well, at least I can kind of let the character, the new characters, grow on me in the new situation. So I think it's gonna be good. I hope this all culminates with the finale at Christmas, or what is is this Netflix? Is it all at once? What, no, it's Disney on? Plus. Oh, it's okay. Disney so the, Plus. So they'll they'll run like, it episodically. The finale has to be like like around christmas day or something right well let's i'm gonna take a i'm gonna take a quick peek here so you keep talking well that's all i really had dave all right dave you talk 
uh, I, I mean, it looks, it looks fun. looks good. I, I, I like the, uh, some of the movies, like you guys are saying, I'm kind of with you. The first one. Great. The rest of them hit and miss, but, uh, I, I think as far as a, a, a series goes, like Tony saying, yeah, don't think- be hating on the Santa Claus too. the Mrs. Claus was a solid, solid little show. I said some movie. of it was hit and miss. I didn't say that it absolutely, and there was no, there was, there was no miss, sir. I didn't say it absolutely sucked, but anyway, um, all right. So real quick, I'm going to cut you off. So looking at this, it looks like it is a six episode miniseries and will culminate on December 14th. So not quite Christmas, but in the season. So that's okay. It'll be right in the heart of the Christmas season. So yeah, this, this looks fun. I mean, it looks like an interesting premise. I retired too soon. Santa Claus, Tom Brady, you can make your parallels if you want, but, uh, no, I I think I I, I kind of like the idea about a series. I don't think this is something where you necessarily need another movie. And you know, the the series gives Disney some more flexibility to tell a different sort of story, maybe a little bit longer form storytelling that they might want to do. So yeah, this looks like a fun one. I, I do too. Um, the only character that like when I saw they brought back, and I loved Bernard the Elf. Like he's he's one of the fun characters from the first two movies. God, the guy who played Bernard the Elf, he is like weirdly tan like like sean michaels on wrestlemania day tan triple triple h on wrestlemania day tan like it's a little like a a brownish or orange uh by the way the the kind of the not so good guy uh, or at least the wrong guy to be santa claus is played by cal penn plays a character called simon choksky choksy so I'll be interested to see how that goes um, as he apparently is the bad guy. So, all right, let's get to some Marvel trailers that dropped. We're going to do them in reverse order because we got to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp last. So let's talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special trailer, which dropped a day after the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer dropped. Like, they hit us with kind of a double whammy here. And Holiday Spirit, Holiday Season trailer is about Drax and Mantis trying to cheer up a sad Peter Quill by giving him the best Christmas gift they can think of on Earth. And that just so happens to be Kevin Bacon. The legendary Kevin Bacon. The legendary Kevin Bacon. Um, This isn't going to miss at all, right, guys? Like, this is going to be... Yeah, it's gonna be funny for what it is. Like I'm, I'm not. Am I? Am I? Am I pre-loving this out of turn, Dave? You get to go first <laughs> this time. Absolutely not. You are so spot on. It's not even funny, right? I mean, the fact that you've got the legendary Kevin Bacon, and then they go and they go introducing Kevin Bacon, which is just absolutely epic. Yes. Um, it's gonna be excellent. I, I, I can't wait to see what they do with this. I, I can't imagine it's gonna have a, a big. I mean, it, it, but you can see I'm saying it well, it won't have any continuity, but it does have continuity because it's all predicated on Gamora's missing. We don't know. Is this going to have any sort of lead into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I'm thinking it probably is going to have some tie to that, but as a standalone holiday special, hey, I'm in. As soon as, as, soon as I saw Kevin Bacon, I was like, take my money, even though you already are, but take it again. Well, you know, they're chasing him through the the end of that trailer when they're chasing him through there. I was just like, yeah. Again, like they just keep winning. Like Marvel just keeps finding ways to 
And even in the trailer game, the trailer game keeps winning. Ray, you know, we'll go to you, then we'll go to Tony last. You know, you always say something that rem- that's it's actually a very good reminder to kind of uh, Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. You always remind us that, you know, Marvel doesn't miss. You know who else don't miss very, very much? James Gunn. So, like, yeah. I'm, hold, I'm pretty... Hold that thought, because get... I know where you're going with that one. You're going to say yeah, Kevin, yeah, yeah. Kevin Bacon doesn't miss much either, Ray. Well, Kevin Bacon does not miss much either, yes. Um, Literally no. and figuratively. Well, this is true, too. Um, so, you know, trusting James Gunn to do a holiday special with these characters, it doesn't seem like it should work, but because you know who's involved, it works. Um, I think it's genius that they... Marvel does is better. Speaking of things, Marvel does better than anybody. They take the most obscure references that they throw in the movie 25, 10, 15 years ago, and they pay it off all these years later and make it perfect. So the fact that because Quill didn't have that, he looked up to Kevin Bacon and Footloose, and they went to go fix because he was sad. They went to go find his hero. Like that's such a fantastic callback. And most importantly, now nah, forgive me for being a hater here. Well, I love the character. I'm so happy this isn't just another conduit for Groot. <clears throat> like, I'm grooted out, bro. Like, I'm so grooted out. Like, I'm in the in the periphery, he's fantastic. When he is the, like, the thing to follow or look at. or the, I haven't even watched the damn Groot um, shorts. I have no interest. So, like, oh, the fact that's that so this weird, because about- I, I, really, I really don't feel like it's overdone. So it's fascinating to me. It, Guardians of the Galaxy 2's really soured you that much, huh? Well, I love Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but I think the problem is sometimes it's the Urkel effect. Sometimes a character that wasn't expected to be the character can get so popular that it overshadows everybody else. And Groot was yeah, getting like to that Grogu. Point. Like Grogu, yes. And it gets to the point where it was over, almost, almost starting to overshadow the cast. So because he is so funny and so cute that you have to put him in these positions because people want to see that instead of just telling the story. And so I'm glad that that is not the crux of this story. It does appear that it is a young adult group now, like he's past his teenage years, like he's into his twenties or something, just sort of in the glimpse that we got of group. This really does seem to be a Mantis Drax focused thing. So that, that could be cool. Tony movie. Yeah, Tony, what do you got? What are your thoughts on the Guardians of the Galaxy? Should we do a bandwagon nerds view party of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and record it? Maybe maybe that's just an episode of bandwagon nerds at some point. We just do a little little watch. We could do like it. It could be like episode 156.1 or something. Well, because everybody here has Disney Plus, right? Like we all have that subscription, right? So we could do like the friend watch party thing on Disney Plus. Mrs. O'Dowd might have some questions and be a little what's up with that. Because I'm going to definitely put it on the television. There's no way I'm going to watch it not on the television. Like how it's the big screen. I'm going to watch it on my laptop. That's crazy talk. But... Maybe that's it. We'll have to we'll have to we'll have to talk that through. Special's coming up soon, so I'd be, I'd be different than just reviewing it on the podcast. I get I like it a lot. I am looking forward to this so much because I love seeing familiar characters, having them in unfamiliar situations that are very familiar to us, like. For the Guardians of the Galaxy, a Christmas holiday party, like that's very unfamiliar kind of 
for us knowing them, but to us, it's very familiar. So those things always translate very well as far as storyline. Um, and, and look at what you guys said. They're actually going to probably advance some things in the Marvel Universe inside of this holiday special, right? So it's just a marriage of all those different things going on. And plus, if you like those actors and you're not necessarily a Marvel fan, you may tune in here because it's more of a Christmas kind of theme, holiday theme. Absolutely. Yeah, I just it looks so much fun. And that has been a hallmark of, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Guardians of the Galaxy, especially. So, yes, for me, easy watch, easy home run. Sure, it's going to get tons and tons of downloads and views and hopefully it'll get reviewed well. All right, gentlemen, let's get to the last trailer, the big trailer. The the Dave doesn't have to scream and yell into the ether of give me what I want because. In advance of Wakanda Forever's premiere, the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer has been dropped. A little O'Dowd, I'm going to start by talking about the little O'Dowd and his thoughts when he saw this trailer. Because I, I don't, I do think as, as I watched the little O'Dowd, superhero movie fatigue is real. Because my 10-year-old child has wanted to skip, he wants, he, he let me buy my Wakanda Forever tickets. Didn't want to go. So I got to buy whenever I wanted to go. Had no interest in seeing Black Adam. Said no thanks. Um, but then we got to Quantumania. And he was like, you've never been here before. This looks, I want to see this one. I'm interested. So he's back. Quantumanian brought it back. At least for one film. Tony, you were about to comment on the on the little doubt's thoughts on superhero fatigue. I as well. I just are we uh, are we all going to be seeing uh, Wakanda forever in in a, in ahead of the recording that that weekend? You're asking. I mean, I said you're asking the other two people, right? I mean, come on, dog. Like, Tony, you and I are up to date on everything, man. Just saying. I'm I'm, I'm well, I mean, I come. I, I go no see big movies when they come out, you know, regardless <laughs> of whether it's Marvel or DC. But anyway, um, yeah, I'll be. I just wanted to check that but i you know it's funny i've are never you been in... shade what what why are you throwing shade uh, couldn't possibly over 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 the failed film Wouldn't franchise that has been dc for year after year i'm scheduled it. i'm scheduled to see a wakanda forever at 10 45 a.m on november right. 11th 2022 I'm going, to, I'm going saturday afternoon because, so. because okay. i like good comic book movies anyway wow 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 yeah, uh, not it. a big ant-man not a big Ant-Man fan, though. Got to be honest with you. Haven't really seen the Ant-Man movies. I uh, guess I'm going to have to check this one out just because I've been so... Yeah, I know, Ray. Your head's exploding. Oh, my what? God! I mean, in the land of skippable Marvel heroes, like, I kind of get it. Like, Ant-Man doesn't really leap off the page. Whatever, dude. You think Mephisto's the most powerful being in the Marvel universe? So Not true. It's it's That's the good way to kind of get the people against me. Not true, but well done. I don't get the people against against you. You get them against yourself, man. Like, I don't have to help them. They've decided. People have spoken. Fair enough. Anyway, we get our first look. We get our our first good look at Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Um, And you get kind of a double look. You get the look of him in his iconic 
Marvel comic with the blue blue green suit and the weird helmet mask kind of look, and then you just get him straight up as himself. Uh, and yet they didn't give you too much, just a taste, just a peek at Kang the Conqueror. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, you get a lot of look at the quantum realm, and you learn and you learn that uh, Janet Janet Van Dyne slash Janet Pym had some secrets. She she wasn't. She wasn't exactly forthcoming as to what, she, what what life was like in there. So, Tony doesn't like Ant Man. So, I guess we'll move on to Dave. I didn't say that. I said I never no, got. I mean, you pretty clearly said that you just gonna, you dislike. I'll him. probably go. Actually, I'll probably go watch this one in 3D. In fact, we're go, I'm going to see Wakanda Forever with DP in 3D as well. Maybe I can talk him into uh, coming on the show. Ah, maybe you know that'd be nice to have the scientists back. Um, Ray. What did you Dave, notice? You originally said you oh, did I say Dave first? Yeah. Well, I wanted sure, to boo you again, so. I'm pretty sure I heard um, Tunny say fuck Ant-Man. Did, did, was I the only one? I did. I thought that, that was I in. I thought that was in the recording. I think I heard that, too. It definitely oh. was in there. Yeah. What's All that, what's that Tunny? Ant-Man can eat a big fat dick? What? Oh. Jesus, like, that's terrible. You don't have to be that disrespectful, bro. Like, not that bad. You never know how things work in the quantum realm, Tony. Shame so, on you. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean things are bigger yeah, in the quantum that's realm, right. right? So, I mean, the big... And it may take a lot longer. It could be a quantum-sized dick in the quantum realm. But uh, I... <laughs> my wife's, like, in the other room, like, what? <laughs> I think... Um, yeah, this trailer's pretty cool. I, I think, you know, it was one we were looking forward to. We'd seen, like, some leaked footage from... Um, I think it was from uh, D23. Comic-Con, San Diego. No, San Diego Comic Con. Okay, yeah, and and so this was different, but yeah, you get to see Kang, you get to the understanding that there's a big civilization of some sort in the quantum realm that is not just apparently limited to the quantum realm and can threaten our realm as well. And of course, you get a Bill Murray sighting. We're not sure who he is yet, but he's there. We knew that was coming. So uh, I think you know, especially you know, Kang going to. Paul Rudd's character then and saying, what's it, what's it going to be? And he calls him Ant-Man, which really he's not called that. I, I mean, you know, in most of the movies, they really don't t- refer to him as Ant-Man and, and Kang goes right there. So, uh, yeah, this this looks like it's going to be excellent. Um, it, it, Kang just asserting himself right right at the outset and, and, and becoming front and center. So I this one is going to be good because I don't know what to expect from this. I mean, it's going to like, like, you know, like your son's reaction to it is very apropos because it is something we haven't seen before. I mean, our, our take, I mean, I think collectively we're like, I'm more interested in Wakanda forever because that's going to resonate with us for many reasons. But, uh, but yeah, from the standpoint of something we haven't seen before, he's right on. This will be interesting. Ray. Now to you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Um, I, well, I think it's that time for everybody's favorite, uh, favorite segment. Ray speculates. Do 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 do. Um, first. clearly the audience that's, is not that, here for it. That segment has already been nominated for best sound effects ever. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for the, thank you for the hearty welcome. I appreciate that, Kevin. Feige has been on the record of saying that Ant-Man, that Quantum Mania, let's call it that, I think it's an easier way to call it, is the most important movie of this phase. He's been on record of saying that. There's also been a lot of controversy that people are complaining that Phase 4 seems disjointed, right? 
that there's not a lot of, of consistency between the movies. We don't really know what the point is. It's just they're doing movies for the sake of movies. These two movies, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Quantumania, are supposed to answer those questions. From These are all out of Kevin Feige's mouth, right? So in the part of speculation, I think it's really dope that, number one, that city seems to be Chronopolis, Kang City, and the Quantum Realm. Right. It also is see, looks like it's where the TVA is, where Loki is currently. Also, if you look at the symbols on all of the weaponry and the buildings, has the same symbols as the Ten Rings from Shang Chi, and as Miss Marvel's bangles. Oh, now, see remember, you. you- you already read that on the internet. Everybody's no, that. no, no. I read it afterwards, no. but I noticed it at first. I, I saw it too. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're not it, wrong. It is fair, right? Exactly. It is fair to say that you can go read that on the internet. But I mean, we I'm just we're giving you nerds shit, for a reason. No, but it's 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 a it's a fair conversation. As nerds, we noticed it, right? But um, one would wonder. So I believe it was Dave who said they called him Ant Man. Now he's called Ant Man in certain situations. The Hawkeye show where Ant-Man happened to be at the Battle of New York for whatever reason, right? He also but, called himself Ant-Man in um, the, Endgame. Endgame, yeah. Yep. Well, yep. picture with me, I'm Ant-Man. Yep. Also, he introduced himself as Ant-Man to um, Sam when he fought him in the Ant-Man movie. Right. Um, but much like Thanos and how he knew Stark because about New York, Kane got to know these dudes for a reason, right? Don't you think? At the end of at the end of the um, Shang Chi, they realize that there's a beacon in the Ten Rings, and it was calling out to somebody. Could that be the reason why Kang knows everybody? Because the beacon called out to him. So, yes, I. So Ray has now broken down the trailer entirely, so nobody else can talk about it. Good job, Ray. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. You just you kind of laid out we. So Ray and Dave, you both do the yeah, I have this thing. I love it about you. Like Dave will be like, hey, tell me one thing about the show you watch. And Dave will tell me the entire history of the show. I'll be like, Ray, did you like this trailer? And you you just, as you said, you go into your own segment uh, of speculation. But you're right. The the post credit scene of Shang-Chi, they talk about it sending out some sort of message to someone somewhere. And to even take it a step further in your trailer, not just that the symbols of the that are on the ten rings and the bangles are visible the pieces of the chronopolis and pieces of the cities are rings so yep. it does tell you that it, it seems a little um it doesn't seem too far-fetched this isn't this isn't speculation about a character showing up and then it would be you know with nothing really there to support it like eagle-eyed people on the trailer you can see it. and the same thing with the bangles we know that the bangles are made of something that is is different otherworldly and it would appear that these are the MacGuffins of this phase of phase four and and the MacGuffins are thing like the thing i really appreciated about infinity war with thanos is that most times the trope is that you know the heroes are trying to get a MacGuffin to like stop a thing and in infinity war it's reversed and the villain is the one chasing the MacGuffins to achieve achieve his goals. 
Uh, and Infinity War is really a Thanos movie. It is not an Avengers movie, in yeah. my opinion. Absolutely. And I think that I think that we are going to get a Kang movie that is not an Avengers movie at some point as well. I don't think this is it. Uh, for for the record, I think this is the the introduction to Kang, a la Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, but with a heavier involvement of Kang as as an antagonist, um, but the MacGuffins are there, and it's now where do we go to get them, or how do we how do how does Kang go to get them? And it sounds like he's going to try to use Ant Man to make that happen. Um, w- one quick point: the they've already announced the names of the next two Avengers movies. The first one is Avengers: The Kang yeah. Dynasty. Yeah, that may be to your point. The other point I want to make is there's been a lot of a lot of questioning about how can you usurp what Thanos did. Thanos killed half the universe. Thanos did this. It took 15 movies or 20 movies or whatever to get to that confrontation and involve everybody. Did you see the trailer when Chronopolis looked like the damn star of uh, the, the fucking um, Yeah, with the soldiers the lined starship? up. Like the death, yes. Yeah, the Death Star, yeah. So but besides no. the fact that he can he can manipulate time, that's got like a million people at the ready, bro. Like his his yes. name in his name itself. Imperial so that Thanos was known as the Mad Tyrant, uh, but even in then, like his like his character arc was very much about misguided bad guy. Really, like in his from his point of view, he was saving the universe. Mm-hmm. Ken just wants to. He's the conqueror. The conqueror. Mm-hmm. He believes in subjugation. If they stay true to his character, and Dave, you're nodding, so I think you're on board with this as yeah, well. He's, he's, this is also the educating Tony part of the show, where we teach him all about Kang the Conqueror. Kang is every bit. I mean, am it, I it, wrong? No, you're right. I mean, he's like like Dark Side on the DC side is all about subjugation. Kang is very much that same way, with the added benefit of uh, being a master of the time stream. And yeah, right. I think like like Ray saying manifest I, I destiny and that I don't, shit think that you know i think approaching this phase of marvel as how are they going to one-up the infinity saga is the wrong approach to take because i don't think you can do that but if you're telling a different story with a different kind of threat that puts existence as we know it in peril which is really what kang can do um then that has its own you know its own gravitas and tangibility to it that you're going to be like oh okay this is a different that threat i'm into it let's see how this one gets handled and you see that in the comics all the time you know so i i think yeah they, they're on to something i mean you think about it i mean in a few months we're going to get the introduction of two of the biggest characters in in marveldom namor coming in kang coming in i mean that's that's pretty heavy hitters you know atlantis being introduced quantum realm being introduced that's that's big Big time stuff that we had, like, like, you know, like the little doubt saying, I want to see things I haven't seen before. And I understand looking at Wakanda forever. You can say, I've seen Wakanda. You have, but you haven't seen Atlantis yet. So there's aspects of that that are going to be cool to see developed over the next few months. Also, yeah, the fact that I, Namor is, is, he is a mutant in the movie. Right. And I mean, interesting enough, I mean, mutants have been all over the MCU since this next phase has started in very subtle, different ways. And really we've already seen our first mutant in a prominent role on an MCU property. You know, if you took the time to watch the Marvels, people watch the Marvels, they, they lay it all out. Um, but Namor, 
everyone's favorite tweener, if you will, when it comes to the MCU. I look forward to seeing how that'll play out. And in a couple of weeks, we're all going to know. Less than two weeks. We are less than two weeks away from the premiere of Wakanda Forever, which, by the way, if y'all haven't checked out that Rihanna song, um, nice little track, going to be part of the credits, her video dropped for it. There's a video, a lyric video, a visual video, all kinds of different ways to check it out. Um, good stuff out there. Uh, and until until we see what James Gunn has got, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be calling Marvel King for... For, for a while, I think, still. So, all right. We're going to head into our second commercial break, talk some news around the Nerdosphere, and, a talk, and, of course, get to the big news of the day out of DC Studios. But before we head, now, before we head into our recorded commercials, it is my duty to remind you that if you like Bandwagon Nerds, if you like the Chairshot Radio Network and the quality content that we put out on your internet airwave every single day, Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in one of our mini chair shot shirt designs. You can get a bandwagon nerd shirt. Say you love our show and you want to rep our brand. Please do. Say you just love the network. Well, we got you covered there too. Chair shot radio network logos, old school and new school. We got sayings from shows. They're all there over at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. They're only $19.99 a shirt, but if you're feeling fancy, want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more, get it soft style, your body will thank you. We love putting this quality content out every single day, and the best way for us to get our name out and to get supported and keep this going is for you all to help us by heading over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and investing in us. Greatly appreciate it, and we will keep bringing you content every single day and love your support when we come back we're going to talk some news around the nerdosphere got all kinds of good stuff out there you're listening to bandwagon nerds on the Chairshot radio network part of the Chairshot.com. promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code Chairshot. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. We are trucking right along here. We've talked some Trailer Park. We've talked some Lock and Key Season 3. Let's get to some news. We've got all kinds of news around the Nerdosphere, but we're going to start... With some bad news for David Ongar, as it was announced yesterday, and I thought the I thought the uh, rundown was pretty much done. Like I, I was like, oh, this could be the easiest rundown to write in a long, long time for bandwagon nerds. I was like, we're done. I don't I don't really need to do anything. And then news came out bright and early yesterday that Henry Cavill will no longer be. Geralt of Rivia after season three. And he is being replaced in season four, which is a go on Netflix with Liam Hemsworth. Dave, I know how much you love Mr. Cavill. I know you have a serious man crush for those rippling pectoral muscles that strain against the chainmail shirt as he 
wields his sword and magic, slicing through mighty creatures. Look, even Ray's a little turned Ray, on. Ray's a little aroused right now, that's for sure. The I mean, white you, hair you, flowing you. with the power of magic like storm, destroying evil mutants. Meanwhile, Tony looks no more Henry. Tony looks no disturbed. more Henry Cavill for you. Your man crush is gone. Liam Hemsworth taking over the role. How you doing? I don't really understand, but okay, I guess I. I mean, it's like it's still. It's like okay, we're gonna get season jilted three. lover. Yeah, like, jilted lover. Like He's a, a jilted lover. I'm like I'm like one of those goalies, man. Like it's like a jilted lover, susceptible to the rebound, you know that sort of thing. But uh, I I think you know having. You know, I just want to see what happens with season three. I'm not sure why we're recasting Geralt. There's all these witchers around. Can't we just like kill him off, put in a brand new character and go from there? I'm not sure why we've got to go down the Geralt path. But, you know, I I think, you know, you can't really talk about this story without talking about the other story that you want to talk about, which is the one that makes me happy. We're gonna, they're, we're gonna, they're tied together. But we're, we're kind of because the one of the things, did you see some of the stuff yes, I shared? Yes. Apparently, there was some real friction yeah. with Cavill and the writing team. I, and I had no idea. And this is the thing is, I love when you learn just how nerdy some of these folks are. Like, you know, Vin Diesel is one of my favorite examples, like in his like love of Dungeons and Dragons. Like that, that makes my heart smile. Um, I had no idea that Henry Cavill had like read the Witcher books, was really, really attentive to it and faithful to wanted like this really faithful adaptation. And apparently that was at odds with the writing team. Now I've never read the books. I'll even own that. Um, and what, what Tony you're, you're throwing your, you're, you're really surprised at that though. Like you're really surprised I at mean, the best not... of the best. No, 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 no. Just let me make my point quick. Cause I, I think, I think you need to like explain what you mean a little bit more because being a sports fans, like we are like, especially like, you know, not just sports entertainment, but sports, you're never surprised that the best of the best do their homework and try to be the best they can be. So you would have to think like, you can't be surprised at that, right? I'm not surprised he read the books and was closely attentive to it. I'm surprised at the apparent level of fandom he had for those particular books. Very, And I will own that this is my own bias. Like I'm like, he's too cool to be into X. It's like, and absolutely, I will. But own that's that. all good actors, 100%. right? But remember, The Witcher started as a video game series, not as a book. They adapted the the games to books and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I don't know if he's played the games, and I don't know how well the games line up with the books and that sort of thing. But I mean, if if there's you know creative differences at this point, I want to go in this direction. Well, we're going to go in this direction. Well, I guess I got to go over here then. Liam's not doing anything. Talk to him. So. Maybe that's and what so they got going I, on. I, I gotta, I gotta hold you. I gotta, I gotta hold you accountable. The first are, story of The Witcher was published in 1992. Really? Are we going full Becky? Are we going full Becky Connor here? Like same character, just different actor, or is it like that's, he's taking that, the lead yeah, role over as like his cousin or something? Why couldn't it sounds like, like really he's, he's going to be? He's like, going to be this. He's going to be the same fucking guy. I'm done. Yeah. Like we can cover so, it, but I'll come in twenty minutes late. So Tony's mad. He's pre mad. I like mad. it. I'm just, yeah, he's well, shot like, a little pre mad. Anyway, in answer to your question, it it has been it's being reported that he is coming in as Geralt, like that he is not 
John. Like he's. I mean, so he's not just pre-med; he's post-med. And see, I'm, yeah, I'm with Tony on this because it's like, yeah, there's there's all these other Stupid. Witcher characters that you could bring in. You want to bring in Liam Hemsworth so, as somebody different? Cool, but Geralt. Well, that's, luck. And that's, you what set that, yourself up what, for failure, though. I think what that tells me is the is that Cavill had a point in his in his issues because much like we've seen in Game of Thrones, when you try to go as closely as you can to the source material instead of writing your own story, it's kind of hard when things get kind of messed up in the moment. So if Cavill was like, you're not doing this shit right, I'm gone, they don't have enough knowledge to say, and I'm, I'm assuming here, to say, well, we're going to write our own story with a different person. Because the story is about that dude, right? So at that point, you're making, you, at that point, you're doing Game of Thrones final season. We're making up as we go. I mean, if so, we can sit here, the four of us, with as much as we know about The Witcher, really, um, you know, <laughs> we can already figure a better way. Like, come on. I, I can't believe that I'm the one who's sitting here is like, I'm not really that bad about it. I don't care. Like, I think I it's did, stupid. I, I, don't care. I don't watch the show. I, I, recastings work. Sometimes they don't work. And it may not work. We don't I'm know. Not Liam, Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth is a fine actor. Like he's, you know, he's a fine actor. Is he, you know, Henry Cavill? I'm sorry, Dave, he's not. And I get it. Your man crush has moved on. I would like to give him the opportunity. I would not. His take character. Because here's the thing. Everybody thought, and I'm going to point out, I'm going to point out a couple of, uh, a couple of other examples where recasting has worked to a degree. Now, whether you thought one person was better or not, um, that is your up to you. But, the film franchise themselves continue to move forward. James Bond has been the same fucking dude over and over and over again with That's different actors. It is the same. It's a different yeah. actor in the same role in a shared somewhat universe outside of the most recent version. Like it is. You can shake your head no, but you're not. I'm, I'm right. Albus Dumbledore recast. Richard Harris was recast now. It was because he died, but Michael Gambon came on did his own take on Dumbledore. Those movies were good movies. They weren't hurt by the character being recast. Mark Ruffalo took over as the Hulk from Edward Norton. Edward Norton was a good Hulk. Ruffalo came in, was put in a good place, did well, and now we act like Mark Ruffalo or like Mark Ruffalo was always ever the Hulk. So it's not that it can't be done, guys. I, I get that you know you may like the portrayal that's been done. I'm just arguing to give it a chance. Like different takes on a same character have happened and have happened within continuities of other series. And James Bond may be the one where, okay, the continuity feels a little bit different, especially the Daniel Craig versions. Those are their own thing. I'm just saying, like before I dismiss this completely out of hand, let's see what they do. Let it marinate. You all right over there, Dave? Dave's like, I'm just loving Tony's expressions. He's like, it's like not in. He's does not. It doesn't matter what any of us say. He's like, I'm not watching it. I, yeah, maybe he will watch it. You may, wait. Maybe it works. I think the difference between the examples you made is, and and this is, you're talking the main, the lead character over three seasons, and then we're gonna switch go. it up, and the that's put in. Yeah. gonna be hard. I, I mean, don't Ruffalo. Yeah, I don't think Edward Norton was giving Henry Cavill the credit he deserves. As like a, I'm not saying he was. Bad, I'm not saying he was expendable. I, I where did I say that? You just did. Where, where I didn't. I said I'm not oh, saying God, that. Yeah, look at that smirk on his face. No, I'm really not. Well, 
And and let's be let's, let's be honest. We don't know I got how. A lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're gonna hear about it. Throw your own guy at you. I... We don't know how Go they're ahead, gonna dude. do season Go three. Ahead. How season three will you end? Don't. Will Geralt be? They're gonna uh, you know, do it with someone morphed else, in other some, than morphed Henry in some Campbell's way or Geralt. altered in that some sucks. way. <laughs> Tony's like, they're I'm gonna, having none of it. Pull, they're gonna pull a Doctor Who. He's gonna step into a reanimation chamber and step out. As a Come out, person. somebody completely different. Oh, yeah, I'm Geralt. You don't look like Geralt, but I am. Uh, okay, so yeah, I mean, let's let's temper expectations and let's see how season three plays yeah, out. No I mean, shit. <laughs> Now, Tony's already comparing Witcher season three to Lock and Key season three. It hasn't even come out. He's already, he's already, he's already done. Yeah, Tony's pre mad. It's okay. Um, okay, well let's let's shift to the other piece of this. The good news for David Ungar, and probably does have something to do with this. If I were to guess a little bit in, in terms of of Mr. Cavill's, maybe I don't I don't want to say that we're in his head, but if you're making a decision between a series that I'm getting into fights with people about over reprising a character that I really wanted to do and see an opportunity with a new direction of film. I could understand how this would be a contributing factor to the decision that we learned this week uh, at the beginning of the week in that uh, Henry Cavill will indeed be returning to the role of Superman in the DC studios world this is this was first revealed at the end of black adam we talked about the deleted scene uh or not the deleted scene we talked about the after credit scene actually last week uh tony and i talked about it because while i i'm i'm like spoiler free but not spoiler free like i think you guys know that it doesn't really bother me too much when spoilers happen and there was no way that two weeks and it's been two weeks. The movie's been out for two weeks now. If you don't know the big it reveal, it was leaked of, so far in advance yeah, anyway. Like everybody fucking knew that Superman showed I up. I avoided the leak. I mean, The Rock himself is sitting there having lunch with, with Henry Cavill. That's the only like, thing hey. I've seen about knowing it. I loved it. Only thing I would say so, about it is that I don't think we knew he was coming back. I don't think like I didn't expect him to be in Black Adam. I, I and and right. that was a late addition, exactly. a late addition that they actually did in shooting once this deal came into play. Um, that was the only surprise about it was like, oh wow, he's actually there. Uh, but anyway, go ahead, Pat. I didn't mean to step on you there. Well, no, and so I, this is good news for for DC Studios. Uh, I think I think that Henry Cavill has been a solid Superman. He's with the material he's been given. I think it's no secret how I feel about the Zack Snyder, you know, Superman led films, both uh, man of steel and Batman versus Superman and the justice league. I don't like them. I think they're poorly written. I don't think they are good. I don't think they make good use of the Superman character, but I think Cavill does a good job with, the material he's given he's certainly got the look he's certainly got the personality for it he clearly wants to continue that forward so i see this as nothing but a win for the dc universe ray cash i think i'm right i mean about not liking the other three movies no but yes uh by and large i think cavill's the right guy i mean they're bad movies so i don't i don't understand it we're not gonna go down this route because we're, we're not gonna get anything done <laughs> at all um it's just is there bad movies? Anyway, um, uh, 
and yeah, Rock was Rock. He completely spoiled that stuff happily. Uh, he talked. He was on Jimmy Fallon, where he talked about, it and he was like, "Yeah, he's home. He's in the movie." Like he basically told everybody. So it wasn't a shock. It was. It's the right thing, though. I'm glad DC got out the, got got the head out their ass and decided to do the right thing. It's it's weird to me that I know that they've done everything's going to change anyway. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I'm glad with everything that had done to this point and the main continuity of their storylines where they had set six movies in this main continuity, maybe seven, to not know who your Superman or Batman is is wild. So you got one fixed. You got another one fixed technically because Pattinson is working in this other continuity of whatever timeline that is. But at least you got Cavill back. And we all saw the rumors of Man is Still 2, Brainiac. Don't know if that's a real rumor. Makes a lot of sense. He's the right guy. He wants to be in it. He's a big enough star where he's worthy of the role. I know that's a thing. It shouldn't be what it is. All positives. And if this, this isn't the reason why he left The Witcher. But if this is the positive of, of that's come from that, everybody wins. Because The Witcher's going to get canceled anyway. Netflix does four seasons, it's over. Can't be done anyway. <laughs> oh, man, bring it back. Uh, Tony, your thoughts of our boy Henry Cavill returning as Superman before we let Dave gush? You know, we talked about it last week when I gave you my thoughts on everything going forward. And, and yeah, it just... It's the rock and his pull. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had a lot of input on something we're going to talk about a little bit later, you know, that me and you kind of talked about last week, Patrick. So it's, it's the rock effect, really. What other Superman would make sense for him to go against? You know what I'm saying? There's, there just isn't anybody. And that's kind of why I'm like Henry Cavill to me in, in the way he plays mythical characters whether it's superhero, whether it's medieval-ish in the Witcher kind of thing or the magical kind of realm tied in, he leaves a big imprint to be filled, right? It's not Chadwick Boseman-esque, but it's an imprint where I just can't even fathom watching the Witcher as Liam Helmsworth, you know, let alone if I had to trade, I would definitely take him to do Superman, right? So that's just where I'm at. And by the way, before Dave goes... I just want to say to that to Tony's point, yes, seeing Black Adam versus Superman is a hell of a visual and this that, and the other. I'm a comic fan. I don't really care to see him against Superman until I see him against Shazam. That's the blood feud. So like, it's cool. Don't do nothing for me. Not yet. It would matter that much more if he had already had to face off with uh, Bat- Billy Batson. But that's me. Okay, Dave. Well, I mean, first, if, as far as Black Adam versus Shazam, I mean, there's so much of Shazam in uh, Tony knows he's seen it. There's so much of Shazam in Black Adam without Shazam ever even being there that in a lot of respects, there is that element of a a, a conflict going on. But I, I think the thing for me is it's like whether you're a Marvel or DC fan, whether you like Superman or not, you, you, I think you have to acknowledge the fact that we're talking about the most. Yeah, I don't know if you can even argue it. the most important superhero in existence coming back with a recognizable face attached to it um, at, at, at a critical moment in the history of DC entertainment, whatever the hell they're going to call it now. So, yeah, I, I think whether I, I like Henry Cavill a lot as Superman, 
there's issues. I think I tend to agree with Pat on certain things, the way that Zach portrayed aspects of the character don't resonate with me because it just doesn't match up with who he is in the comics. I think Henry Cavill's a great Superman. I want to see what happens with his development as a Clark Kent. But I, I would say that right now, the most critical piece of all this, you got Henry down. We're assuming Gal's going to stick around as Wonder Woman. Batman is the critical middle piece right now that you got to settle that to, if you're really going to move forward with this. But getting Henry Cavill to come back as Superman and and yeah, I'm I'm much more invested. I think I've mentioned this in the chat in a Superman versus Black Adam showdown than Superman versus Batman at this point in time. It's like, eh, you know, that that you know, don't need it. How do you go to Robert Pattinson though in this timeline when you bring in back Cavill as Superman, so it has to be a Ben Affleck older generation would, Batman, right? You would think so, but I mean really how much how hard have they pressed the reset button? with Black Adam is the question that I have right now, because that movie seems like it was a pressing of the reset button. Did they press it all the way? So, you know, like we reset everything for five seconds and then let it turn back on. Or did they just kind of flick it? So it, you know, comes back, goes off, comes back on. I don't know, but I think you're like, you're saying, Tony, depending on the timeline and where we are, which Batman are we going to get? I think what makes the most sense and is the easiest fix until we can get to whatever a re- actual flashpoint reset point, and that's what we're going to do. It's Cole Affleck. Work something out with him to where he just does the team-up movies and let Pattinson tell the Batman stories individually in his own world. I think that makes the most sense because then he doesn't have to do that much work, but he still gets to keep the part and we still get to keep that continuity. And then can, we all know Flashpoint's uh, going to change everything anyway. Can, can we call the Robert Pattinson Batman stuff the Matt Reeves Batman stuff? Uh, like, Pattinson's in the role, but that is Matt Reeves telling the story. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, eh. sorry. Yeah, yeah, it really uh, is. And Robert Pattinson. No, it really is. Tells like, me you're right. Robert, Robert Pattinson is going to look at who's tells acting. Me yeah. I know. I agree, but it's it's the Matt Reeves Batman story. Like we don't call like we don't call them the Christian Bale Batman movies. We call them the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Well, I like, call them do. the Christian movies. Well, you're a PC Tony. You don't even know who okay. uh, King the Conqueror okay. is. So, okay. Okay. Anyway, um, that completely derailed everything, huh? Uh, <laughs> how about that? I, I can't wait to have this actual Patrick, uh, letter. Patrick had a thought, but now Sorry. it's gone. There. Yeah, somebody like texted me out of nowhere. Something apparently crazy happened in football. I'm assuming did the Bears did the Bears somehow beat the Cowboys? Uh, well, or did the Cowboys finish mm, something off? Uh, let's see. Cowboys were because they were getting housed. Yeah, they were getting housed. I, they're still getting yeah, housed. Anyway, we can worry. They're still getting we housed. We can worry yeah. about that later. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we can worry about that later. Um, anyway, I didn't expect anything less out of my bears, by the way. All right, let's move on to a little bit of DC. Um, sorry, Marvel news, uh, MCU news. I don't think this is really a surprising piece of news, uh, just based on where the show left off. I'm surprised at people still being surprised, but it was announced this week that we will be getting a vision series on uh disney plus called vision quest which is supposed to follow white vision after he flees from i guess flees the wrong word after he leaves uh the wandavision sphere the wanda sphere to basically explore the world and understand it it's like vision will have to go find himself and um 
Yeah. So I'm not surprised by this series. I'm interested in this series, but I have a soft spot for vision for, for the vision. So I'm interested to hear your guys' take on it. Um, sounds like Paul Bettany is back. You got to think that maybe Elizabeth Olsen is going to be in there in some way, shape or form. I don't see how you don't have her as part of this, but I could be wrong. Um, Gentlemen, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Tony uh, first. Are you gonna watch a Vision themed Disney Plus show? Fuck yeah, I am. Um, I I really hope that it's kind of a battle between uh, the experiences Vision has had and the program he's you know uh, tied to obey. Right? I mean, it's it's an inner bat. It's 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 a battle. It's going to be relatable to a human being because you always have that inner struggle on, you know, good and evil or, you know, uh, uh, gluttony and, 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 and kind of or, or you know, self-preservation kind of things like that. So it'll be interesting to see like an AI tackle these different kind of things that we tackle from day to day and see what kind of human aspect is put into that storytelling. So I'm really interested from it, uh, that kind of way of how the story is told, because he's not human, but he's going to probably, it's a vision quest, right? So he's going to have to deal with these things. He's, he's internally working things out, even though it's an AI. Right. We'll go counterclockwise to me this time. Ray, your thoughts on this vision quest announcement, not a surprising announcement in my opinion. No, not at all. Um, and as they've gotten more, access to their ip as i've been able to tell more stories they are um vision is important to a lot of stories going forward in the mc in in the marvel canon so allowing vision to get back into the mcu canon makes a lot of sense um paul bedney is fantastic in the role it's interesting to see where he where uh, white vision as we so affectionately call him goes from here i am expecting eventually to see viv vision since we already have the uh young avengers which will eventually probably be the champions because that's been like the one of the biggest things coming from this phase um yeah and he, he's just an important character i'm i'm wondering though do you think this is better told as a as a show or as a special presentation just we have that option now. Honestly, I um, I think if it's a four to five episode show, it would be fine. If you did like an eight or nine episode show, that would be overkill. I think it would be a tough. I think it could work as a movie, but I think that there's enough meat on the bone to make it a longer film, if that makes sense. Well, most of the, so or make most it a series. Most of the shows MCU has done. And on Disney Plus shows have been six. It's only yeah. been a handful of them that's been over. It's like I'm talking like three, but most of them have been six episodes. I guess the other question would be besides Vision regaining his his um, memories and who he is as a person, who would be the antagonist of the movie, or what would be the antagonist of the movie or the show? That's that would be my next question. And it's Mephisto. It's always Mephisto, right? I honestly I don't know I I don't know where it could go it could be I don't know there's any number of things it could be uh probably something around it's weird it, if the rumors hadn't surrounded him so much with um and it's gonna sound silly and maybe like a step down but 
if he wasn't allegedly in Ant-Man Quantum Mania, I would say Modoc. That would be fun. Right. Um, maybe, maybe there, maybe you bring back Ultron. Is this where can, Ultron could come back in some way as a sentience? Can I tell you the Modoc thing disappoints me because I, I want to see Modoc, but I would like to have seen James Charlton devolve into Modoc or evolve, but just him already yeah. being there, kind of, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I again, I want to see what actually happens and how it happens because what yeah. we see in a trailer for a second. Can, can mean anything you know what i mean right. so I, i'm not sure there um dave i don't know do you have any good suggestions of what a good antagonist would well, be other than shield shield itself would be in, in, a hell of an antagonist indulge well. me for a minute let me read marvel's description of this vision quest event and and you'll i'll read this and you can see that there's several areas where this can be tied in so they're just their summary of this is In this chapter of the West Coast Avengers, the Vision receives a startling transformation after he is kidnapped, has his memory wiped, and discovers the true and tragic nature of his children with Scarlet Witch. Plus, the U.S. agent joins the A-Team and the Great Lake Avengers make their spectacular debut. So, just off Mm. that, you could sit there and say, okay, Young Avengers seems likely. You know, we've got the notion that the visions already had his memory wiped. So this series could be about regaining the memory of these children that he had with Wanda. Wanda's buried under a shit ton of a mountain somewhere at the end of multiverse of madness. So maybe he goes and is the one who finds her and rescues her. You got us agent mentioned. So this could tie into thunderbolts. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe there, maybe the, the antagonist is whoever's tied into Thunderbolts as, as well. But just reading off that synopsis, and I know we know that Mar- MCU does not follow um, the comics strictly, but they pluck stuff from there. We know that they take stuff from the comics and use that to their own, uh, however they choose. So just off that synopsis, there's a few things they can do with that, um, and and I think that. Lots of uh, lots of opportunities. I think you know if they're talking about a way to bring Speed and Wiccan back in, get them involved with the Young Avengers. This might be a really good entry point for that. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see. That like so many other MCU projects, we know about three things that will be true about it, and everything else we'll learn when we actually see the thing. Mephisto will be in it. We know that. Mephisto will not be in it. Shut your face. Stop with the Mephisto talk. What we do know is that. Warner Brothers slash DC Films. Sorry, is it DC Films? Is that what they call it? Yeah, DC Films made a huge announcement this week. Tony and I speculated on the power of one Dwayne Johnson as CEO of Warner Brothers slash DC. That obviously did not come to fruition. What did come to fruition, what was first reported and confirmed by James Gunn himself, is that James Gunn, will be a co-CEO with Peter Safran at Warner Brothers to lead DC Films. The report, which first came from, I do believe it was The Hollywood Reporter, um, was that um, Gunn will take on the, the creative direction of DC Studios, while Safran will do a lot of the technical producing side of things as a co-CEO. This is obviously tremendous news, at least from James Gunn as a director. 
whether it be Guardians of the Galaxy, which he took a property and people were like, I don't know if this is going to be a worthwhile thing and made it a multi-million, you know, into the billion dollar franchise in the combination of its three films now and a, and a holiday special to his DC work on The Suicide Squad, which I would argue is a good, not great movie, save John Cena, uh, who is phenomenal. Uh Sorry that I liked it, but didn't love it to the point of Mr. Eye Roll over here. He knows who he is. He knows what he did. Um, To Peacemaker, which was a hell of a show that we all loved thoroughly. So um, James Gunn, creative direction guy, the name we know the most. Saffron has been attached to a lot of uh, projects within the Order Brothers already and some known properties that have, you know, we've seen on our silver screen. I'll, I'll open the floor up uh, to whoever wants it first by a show of hands. Tony's raised it already. Your reaction to this news that it sounds like we have two captains to the DC studio ship. I think we talked about how well can they work together? How well can they <clears throat> know their role and, you know, stay in their lane ish kind of as far as creativity and, you know, like it's funny because I went on a uh, office spree last night uh, before I went to bed, just watching some episodes from season six, I think, where Jim and Michael are co-managers uh, of the Scranton branch. So can we have co-managers of the DC uh, Universe branch here? It's interesting though that someone who has experience with John Cena would also be put up there. Uh, you know, if we are to believe that rock had any influence as well, I wonder where he could have gotten information on how well it is to work with James Gunn in a big picture sense. So star Wars wrestling, it's all bandwagon nerd shit, man. We, we take care of it all, but I'm excited to feel these nipples. I think it's just good. I'm not looking like I don't want to, it's funny because I, I will take a page out of golf. When I go golfing, I'm not necessarily playing against the other person. I'm playing against the course, right? I think that DC needs to do this right now is they need to not play against the other players in their field. They need to play against their own stories and how they portray them. And and I think that they're going to do a really good job here. And it's, you might not get what you want, but you're going to get what you need. And and I'm, I'm really trusting in that and hoping not to get burned. Dave. It is you... The best case scenario. I, I don't think like in, in, in my wildest imagination, when I looked at the possibilities of who would come in and take over DC, James Gunn and Peter Safran would never have entered my mind. I, I, you know, I, there's no way that I would have thought, yeah, that's, I mean, like the gray, the guy running Arrowverse was a an option that I thought that would be really good. James Gunn and Peter Safran. I mean, you look at how, how are they going to work together? Peacemaker. You mentioned it, Pat. They are both prominently mentioned in the credits to Peacemaker. So you can see how well they work together, at least, you know, for a limited time frame. But as I, a producer and a director, as yeah. co CEOs, we'll get into that in a minute. Well, yes, yeah, we'll I, see, I hear we'll what see, you're saying. We'll see. We'll see. But I think, I think, it, like, like Tunney's saying, I, I think Tunney really hit on a good point that DC at this point does not need to try and compete with Marvel. And, you know, and they, they just need to, they need to establish their own footprint and then go from there you know walk before you run get yourself firmly established then if you really and but i see i don't even think they need to compete with marvel they're just it's not it's not they've never in the comics been that kind of competitors and and that sort of thing so establish your own thing go from there 
I think the DC films are going to take on a very they're they're not going to be copying Marvel, but they're going to feel more like Marvel movies going forward with Gunn and Saffron and whoever they're going to bring in to direct these things. I tell you, the movie that I'm most curious about right now is what they're going to do with the Flash movie, because I still think they if they really want to reset this thing, then Gunn could come in and say, look, let's do Flashpoint Paradox. Let's reset this whole thing and go from there. It's easy, low-hanging fruit to do that. And I'm curious about what they're going to do with that. But as far as this moving forward, yeah, this is a, 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 a huge get for Warner Brothers in DC. Something that can really put this franchise on the right path with the proper people, the right vision, who understand how to do this at the helm. So I think it's the best case scenario possible for DC films. Great cash. So to me, as desperate as DC seemed to be, I didn't care who got the job as long as they had somebody that cared about it and was going to take it and be consistent. Today's point, I don't think I couldn't think of a better person from a creative standpoint than James Gunn, because James Gunn is a very eclectic human being. He's not a person that has just one layer to him cinematically. He has multiple layers, can be in multiple genres, can do multiple things. I don't know much, much about the Saffron guy, but if they work together, that's fine. And um, unfortunately, in all these situations, we're going to look at the person that seems to do this job the best, Kevin Feige. Well, of course, they needed two people to do the job that Feige does makes perfect sense. But to have some to have two people who seem to work together very well, split their roles separately. I know you get to this point next, Patrick, where they don't ever have to really crisscross too often in terms of button heads, because one's over just the creative side and the other is over operations and production. I think it could be a very seamless marriage, if you will. The only thing that is important is James Gunn has to this like like uh, Feige said, once James is done in May with Guardians, when it comes out, I'll support him 100 percent. James Gunn has to a thousand percent commit to nothing else but this. If this is going to be his role, a CEO, you can't be like, oh, well, let me do my extra movie on the side. No, this has got to be it for you, bro. I think he's in for it. I think he's there for it. But um, it's I hate to say it like this, but man, like you just got hit up the Mendoza line, bro. Like we don't need a home run, dog. Just, <laughs> just, just, I'm saying, just like dog, just, 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 but like, can we, can we get, in, can we get infield uh, hitter's choice? Just get on base, right, right. That's all we need right now, right. I, and just so that everybody's clear, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three and Guardians of the Galaxy. The holiday special, both of them are in post-production. Obviously, the holiday special is ready to go because it's got a drop date coming soon. Uh, and we all know that the Guardians of the Galaxy, like he'll he'll do his part in sort of the promotion. I'm sure he, with as much as the cast went to bat for him, and particularly Dave Bautista, uh, to get him back on that project, I can't imagine for those conspiracy theorists out there that there's going to be anything weird. Uh, you know, from from James Gunn prior to 
his uh, the release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. That's not who he strikes me as a person. Now, what I do think is really interesting is, you know, James Gunn got his start and really kind of got huge um, with writing, a lot of writing credits, and specifically in a lot of the uh, in the horror genre. Like he wrote he wrote screenplays for trauma films. And for those of you who don't know what trauma is, trauma is like the the most willing to there's it's always a schlocky movie that has some of the most willing ridiculous like storylines out there. Like there's nothing that a trauma film won't willingly do. And you know, he wrote a screenplay for a movie called Tromeo and Juliet. Like he's been that he was uh, an additional writer for the 13 Ghosts movie. He was part he wrote for Scooby Doo. Um, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, was written by by him. He's, of course, probably best known for becoming famous out of the B-horror film Slither. And he's really well known for that level of both humor and horror. Um, and then sci-fi, and like, but that humor element, and, and you see it a lot in Guardians of the Galaxy. He does it a little bit. He does it quite a bit in um, Peacemaker as well. He he knows the he's known his material, and I think that that's not going to be a problem for James Gunn as a CEO with creative. My concern, and I think it's a legitimate concern, and I think it's already happened. I don't think it's happening between the two of them. Is success is great, marriage is great when it's successful, uh, but what if or what happens when things either get a little rocky? Or it continues to just be James Gunn is the CEO of DC and, and is the name. Uh, and that that other half, and it could go the other way around. That Saffron, you know, isn't quite the one that gets the recognition that others do. And it could mean nothing. It could be everything. It could go fine. Um, that's really the only thing that, that concerns me is that with two CEOs, you know, and right now they have delineated roles. What happens when one needs to blur into the other's role one way or the other, how does that go? And then Ray, you kind of hit on it a little bit. What is James Gunn's involvement in the creative process? Because what we don't want, at least what I don't want is a plethora of just, these are James Gunn movies with different directors. Now, I don't know that. I don't think we'll get that. I'm putting it out there. I don't think we get that. Um, but I worry about it a little bit. Like if everything feels like the Peacemaker, for example, or Suicide Squad, that could be somewhat problematic for the DC Cinematic Universe. Again, I want to be clear. I don't think that's going to happen. But those are the only kind of hiccups I have. This is a guy who knows the material. I think he's going to treat it well. I think he's going to come out with a place of care. I think his filmmaking style is a little more palatable. It's less dark yet he has edges of darkness. I mean, this is also the guy who was involved in Brightburn, by the way, which is a hell of a dark Superman movie. So it's not that he can't, you know, be serious. But yeah, I think that, as you guys have said, this was a good call. This is a good choice uh, as a CEO and, and somebody who can kind of be the creative lead for DC. Can, can I can I give you this analogy? Tony, you got to put your. There you go. <clears throat> Ray, real quick, it's a double good choice: name and uh, you know, quality. 
Go ahead, Ray. Can I give you this analogy? If there is a house that has a leaky roof but gets set on fire, if you stop the fire, we can worry about the roof later. There ain't no fire right now. DC's not on fire anymore. We'll worry about the roof later. They were that bad. They were in that bad a situation where now they at least they're stabilized. At least they can sleep at night without being on fire. So, you know, like the, the extra stuff, we can get to that point. Right now, you know, we're, on, we're not on fire anymore. And think about who gave one of the biggest endorsements to James Gunn, Kevin Feige himself, saying I'll be the first one to go see it when it comes out. So I'm not suggesting there's a DC Marvel crossover on the horizon, but if Feige is going to be at least, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting you, that sort of thing. That's a good resource that James Gunn can pull from if they're kind of like an, at least somewhat amicable with each other. So that's a good thing. Here, okay, um, I got I got to say this. You no, it's not going to happen, and it's not because because Feige. I, okay, I won't say no. It's not going to happen because I'll I won't go. Never say never. That's too bold of a prediction. That means that Warner Brothers and Disney have to be like, yeah, who gets that money, Dave? Like who get like? Just said, gonna... I'm not saying there's going to be a crossover. I'm just saying that okay. from the standpoint just, of Gunn yeah. being able to go to Feige and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Then, oh sure, yeah. like as a professional courtesy. Exactly. Whatever, I'm not saying like, there's going to be a crossover. It, you you no. put you put it in though. You put it out of the ether though. You said it a little bit. You did. It's. I okay. mean, Doctor Fate versus Doctor Strange. You wouldn't I mean, see that? I'll pay for it, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. I, I right. will say the odds of it are a little bit better with this kind of relationship as opposed to if they brought in somebody who Feige be like, I don't know who the hell this I guy can, is. I can honestly only think of one time in the history of film where there has been a shared crossover, quote unquote, of talent in the movies that was done. And even that took a lot of work. Do you know what film that is? Anybody? No, one more time. Right? I'm sorry. I was I was distracted. So before I was talking said, about before you said before you said film. I was going to say uh, Family Guy and Simpsons. Two studios, two different studios, coming together to do a cross, uh, allowing ta- basically kind of talent to be on a uh, two properties owned by different studios on the in the same film. And very the, rare that it happens. I can think of one example. And it's not Sony and Disney. Nope, it's Disney and Warner Brothers. Who framed Roger Rabbit? That's it. It's the only one I can think of um, where that's happened. And even that was special. And Disney, I think, has the rights to that. Because I think it's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and they used it as, like, rides and things for, the, like, the Toontown, Toontown stuff. Like, they don't do, they don't use the Warner Brothers characters. But that was the, like, that's like the, like, this is how studios work. And so crossovers just, like, that just don't happen. And if I made it uh, sound like I was suggesting that there was a Marvel, a DC, uh, Avengers JLA crossover happening, I didn't mean to say that. I'm just saying that Feige could be a resource for James Gunn to pull from. He's been under Feige's learning tree well, to a certain extent. And I think that's huge what? moving forward. I thought it was hilarious, by the way. There was an article that was like, um, James James Gunn, or I'm sorry, uh, Kevin Feige gives blessing to James Gunn to go do this thing. He didn't give him his blessing. He supported his decision. Like it didn't. He was like, "You have my permission to go." Like, <laughs> like it was just. It was a terribly misleading headline, um, in the way that it was described. What I 
What do you think about this story that's come out that Foggy was asked first uh, and he turned him down? Which, if you're Warner Brothers, why wouldn't you kick the tires? I guess. If you don't ask, it you'll never know. Right? Turn down. If you don't right. ask, you'll never know. It's like but the Theo I, Epstein I would... thing. You, you turn around the Red Sox, you want to come turn around the Cubs too? Maybe, yes. yeah. I, no, like, I don't blame him for asking. I just thought it was really interesting. Uh, that, that that story happens and Feige was like, thanks, but no. Which again, it's it's funny because I could I could see both sides of it. I turned around one, can I turn around another? Uh, and there was, I guess there was some friction, you know, back in like 2016, 2017 with Feige and Disney. Uh, and so Warner trying to lean into that a little bit. But on the other end of it, like I could also see you you know want to, you know be, maybe being intrigued by the challenge of trying to turn around DC right like would that well, be interesting I, to see? well i think a part of it could have been too if you're sitting there on the DC side you go you know what maybe at this point he's just getting frustrated and you know they're kind of overdoing it and it's easier it's easier to take something from the bottom to above the bottom to the middle and just above the middle than to keep something at the top of the top of the top especially when it was something that people never thought you could get to. Yeah. It's, it's just a really interesting kind of fun. What if to talk about at, at the end <laughs> there of this, you go. at the end of the, yeah. What if, what, that, that, that. what if, all right. All that is to say, I think that James Gunn will do a heck of a job. I do think um, I'll be interested to see how the cleanup of Disney or of uh, DC goes with DC films and what direction that's going to take a lot of speculation out there. We may now have two sections. We may have a, a DC rumor section of the podcast and a Marvel rumors of the podcast at this point. That may, that may just be our show for, for the foreseeable future. But that is good. We, we are going to be done with this show. Gentlemen, do you know what next week's show is? End next of Sunday? season three. It is the end of our third year of Bandwagon Nerds. Three years. On the bandwagon. That's right. Episode number 156. Coming at you next week. I'm very excited about this. To do nothing special and just talk about whatever's going on in the nerd Yeah, Because that's we just, what we do. We just had a big celebration six weeks ago. It, yeah, Dave's going to Dave's gonna change the theme song, I'm sure. That's, that's what Dave does every season. Each season is demarcated with a new generic free-for-all theme song. Oh, I can't song. wait for yeah. that. Season four. I got to work on that. I got some That's ideas. That's right. Called Ray and I, Ray and I are willing to lend our banjo skills. Yes. We're good. No, there you go. That's okay. Yes. We're, We're good, good on that front. No, audience, I what got, do you I think of have an electric guitar too? All right. I what do you think saxophone. of the bandwagon audience? Audience? No, they're, they're not feeling it, guys. They're just, they're just not interested. The title of that first episode: Banjo Wagon Nerds. Just a word. Happy Halloween, by the way. Happy Halloween. That's right. Absolutely. Um, Treehouse of Horror Part Two, by the way, airs on. Will have aired by the time this drops. But uh, anybody watching that great. Guillermo <laughs> del Toro thing yet? Anybody watching any? Not yet. I I have it on my list. I I don't know. I'm going to be watching it after Spooky Season. I just can't. I did. I you get. Thank you for reminding me about Halloween, Tony. Go ahead and say your thought because I had one uh, one last thing I wanted to do uh, around the room. 
before we No, go. I was going to ask an around the room thing, so you go ahead. So because it's spooky season, because it's Halloween, and I've been throwing out polls every now and again uh, during the month of October for bandwagon nerds about various horror things, my question for the three of you, most overrated, because nerds love to talk about overrated stuff, most overrated horror genre film series character in your opinion. I'll go first. Uh, mine's actually it. Pennywise the Dancing Clown, especially uh, the the newer movies, because it really doesn't have a lot of power. Like at the end of the day, he like eats two people. Um, it just scares people a lot. So it was my 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 overrated franchise. Mine is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think that's overrated. Wow, why is that? It just. I... Because they just they just took so many liberties with the story and turned it into something that it's not and and Leatherface is just I mean I don't know he just he just I I've never been into that series that much. Sure, Mr. Cash. Yeah, save Tony for last because you know he's our horror guru. Um, All right, Tony. No, we'll do Tony. No, so say save him for last. Okay. Um, no, my mine is Jason. I like yeah, you like slasher films? Cool. There's no story behind that. I get, I understand the story of why he is who he is, but there's no story behind why he does what he does. All the other ones have a story about why they do what they do. He just kills to kill. Not fun. Chucky, it's a fucking 18 inch doll. Just fucking grab the fucking thing. But he's magic, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a scary yeah. of all. Yeah, so is Don Mikowski. See how long that lasted. A song Fair by Heart. Oh. Heart has a song called Magic Man, right? There you go. All right, all right, all right, all right. Thank you for that. Jesus Christ, you got a baselining now. God damn it, Dave. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Anyway, all right, everyone. Nerds, have a great Halloween because this is the uh, this episode is dropping on uh, on Halloween. We're gonna get out of here, uh, but before we do, let's do our once around. Tell everybody where they can find you on the Chairshot Radio Network and how they can um, follow you on the socials should they choose to do so. This week, we will go with Spooky Saturday Night, PC Tunny first. Uh, follow me at PC Tunny. Follow this show at Bandwagon Nerds, right? Chairshot Radio Network, all your favorite streaming platforms, thechairshot.com, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot. I'd gladly trade you a couple pieces of my candy for that Twix bar you have right over there. All right. Evil lawyer, deadly David Ungar, you're up next. You can find me continuously stalking Henry Cavill on just about every social media platform that there is. Or you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And happy Halloween, everybody. And I'm going to be honest, I can't think of a good adjective to do the alliteration with Ray Cash right now. I'm really embarrassed about this. So uh, we'll just, you know, perform an exorcism on this program, Reverend Raymond S. Cashington the third, the Esquire. I'll take it. I'll take it. You can find me at It's Ray Cash, R-U-I's and Mysterio, C-A-S-H-S and Dollars, and Bandwagon Country. That's right. And you can follow me at Wrestling Realist, at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T, you can listen to me every Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chairshot Radio Network. Monday here with these guys. 
Pod Bandwagon Nerds every Tuesday with David Ungar for some Chair Shot Radio this week. It was Hockey Talk. And on Wednesdays, talking wrestling with Craig DeMarco and Miranda Morales. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and get as much candy as you can. I don't care how old you are. Do the Adam Sandler. Put a spoon on your head. You're creepy spoon head, man. Give him some candy. Get the candy. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Not vibranium. Chitauri? Not like any alien tech I've seen. How long did your dad have them before he gave them to you? Um, about a thousand years. The thermal luminescence indicates they're older than that by a lot. The first time you used the rings, we felt it in Kamatage. A beacon. They're sending a message. A message to where? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 